Welcome back, Seahawks. Uh, welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sandler, joined, as always, by the Zoloft to my Prozac. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing all right. And our very own Lexapro. That's right. It's Eric Ronovec. Eric, how you doing? Uh, my, my question is, do the side effects include wiener enhancements? Uh, no, dehancements. Wiener... Ugh. The Seahawks, the Seahawks may give you... May give you wiener dehancements. I like how we always try to go. We're gonna be uh, more family friendly this year, and then it always makes it to like the first loss, and then it's like, um, earmuffs, kids. Yeah, we yeah, gotta the, talk about some. We won't uh, cuss. We'll we gotta talk about some... some poor offensive performances. Uh, Eric would like the side effects to include offensive performance enhancement. All right, let's start with some good news. Okay, week one NFC Defensive Player of the Week was. Seattle Seahawks, Uchenna Nuosu, seven tackles, one sack, one pass deflect, one fumble force. We said he was the player of the game, uh, and apparently we weren't the only ones who thought so. <laughs> so Started yeah. off with the good news from one week ago. I love it. Gotta love well, the let's dessert get, first. Let's get a second piece of good news. Uh, for uh, There were nine first-time nominees for the Class of 2023 Hall of Fame, and one of them was Seahawks' own Cam Chancellor. On the list now, um, I doubt he makes it. Considering this list has like four number first ballot guys four with locks, a bullet, yeah, <laughs> which is like Freeney, Thomas, Harrison, Revis. Those guys are all a hundred percent in, probably on the first ballot. But it's nice to know that he's he's in the thick of it right from the start. That he's going to get considered for that, and probably within five to ten years. Usually, uh, what happens is they. They kind of save up guys from a position, and then they do like four safeties at once. He's gonna get uh, Edgar Martinez his way in. No, he's gonna get in with a bunch of other safeties like five or ten years from now, and it'll be really, and it will be really, really freaking cool. So not as stressful as Edgar, Kevin. Yeah. So uh, you guys got a Cam Chancellor. Uh, Cam Chancellor. We did our favorite moments, but uh, do you think Cam has a realistic chance to make the Hall of Fame, Eric? If he's made it on the ballot, I think he has a chance. I don't know how strong a chance it is. Uh, for me, he's he's in the Hall of Fame in my heart because of the Legion of Boom. This is the guy who hit people the hardest, even though Earl hit people so hard, and Brandon Browner may have killed people. Um, Cam Chancellor was. I mean, like, he's convicted, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh uh, that, yeah, it was a little joke because uh, we're so bad. No, but Cam Chancellor, like he's the one who kind of turned out the best afterwards, and uh, the the true heart. And we may have never known it until uh, until now. So his his Hall of Fame monitor score, which like takes into account like his counting stats and his Pro Bowls, um, first team All Pros is usually a really strong indicator whether you make the Hall of Fame, yeah. NFL championships. Um, his score is not very good. No, he didn't. He he. He didn't play long enough, and he didn't get the recognition at the time. He never made a first team uh, all, all pro. pro. He only made four Pro Bowls. He didn't really play that many seasons. Just the one title. Um, I think Earl has a Earl has a much 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 better chance of making it than than Cam does. Which is, it's interesting because Cam might make it because he's the prototype. I was about to right? say that's the big thing with Cam is he defined a position. And a type of offense that the NFL shifted to people have been looking for their cam chancellor to be able to play that style of defense since, since he arrived. Yeah. So if he makes it, it's because he was the prototype for a new position. He would be like one of the, he would be like the lowest hall of fame monitor on the the whole website <laughs> uh, to actually make it into the hall of fame. If the, the NFL lowest... decides they're the, I'm sorry, the hall of fame decides they want to put like, uh, a generational defense in and they want as many people as they can fit in there that would make sense then he gets in that way i think yeah like if they they're gonna put the whole lob in yeah so they can have like a little a little thing with them because sherman's going in yeah i think that the, it'd be it'd be hard to imagine not um the championship the three all pros five pro bowls it's 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 just enough that he's very likely in um earl thomas has a really good shot same same pretty much same stats with the as P- sherman with uh Two more Pro Bowls, but obviously a lot less interceptions. So, yeah, maybe they just put all three guys in. That would be really cool. I'd be super into that as well. Um, Having all those guys kind of – well, not Earl for obvious reasons, but having those other guys around the team has been been (laughs) cool. It's been cool to see them come back, and now that Russ is gone, they feel comfortable being around the team again. So, um, all right. (laughs) 
You guys ready to get into the bad news? On yeah. the next week's game, is that what you're uh, talking about? The, the bad news is the Seahawks. <laughs> the Seahawks did play a uh, football game this week. Did they though? Uh, well, you could you could the argue Seahawks this. arrived at and were scheduled for an NFL game in week two. Wait, wait, Kevin. They did something that they do once every I don't know four or five years in San Francisco, and that's destroy their quarterback. It's sad, <laughs> yeah, to say, but they do that. Do you notice that? Do you okay, low key though. Do you think Kyle Shanahan was trying to get Trace Trey Lance hurt so they could put Jimmy G back in without having any controversy? Because why are you no. running all these inside inside run plays with your quarterback so he can get pancaked by like a three hundred pound dude? The reporters were asking the same thing because like, he can't throw an NFL route tree. So I understand, like he's, but but those were all designed runs too, like. I don't know. I feel kind of bad for Trey Lance. His development has been super weird, and he obviously has like the the he has qualities about him that are NFL qual- caliber qualities. But he's just never going to get a chance to develop into well, that what player. Is it? He'll have played six games since 2019 when the season and, opens next year. That's so weird. And I th- I think San Francisco's hope was like that this would be like the Josh Allen take your lumps year, right? Josh Allen sucked the first year. He was horrible. But like you take you took your lumps and he figured started to figure it out. And I think the 49ers were hoping for the same thing. Like you take your lumps a little bit and throughout this season he starts to show flashes of of being a good player, but you're gonna have to take your lumps. He's not he's not gonna get ready unless he actually starts playing. He's gonna be right? halfway through his rookie deal when training camp closes next year. Just That's a rough absolute, spot to be in. Absolute brutality for the uh for the Seattle Seahawks. So um yeah, what or for the for Trey Lance, but, and for the, I mean, I don't know. It sucks because now San Francisco is probably in the market for a quarterback, which means we're competing as one more team to, but to they get spent a so many assets getting Trey Lance. I don't know if they can turn around and do that that fast. Um, I don't know. I think you'd be surprised <laughs> that what, cause they have everything else, you know? Yeah, yeah. The the rest of the team is, is pretty good and they just need, they really just need to drop this. This is the actual team. You just need to drop a quarterback into and they would be, Instantly, they made the NFC Championship game last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's should say quite a lot. Let's start with the Seahawks offense, though. Okay, so I went into this my rewatch, Kevin. I did rewatch. That's what I was trying to stop you. From oh, um, I was trying to stop you from making the same mistake I did, but then I decided to find you a yeah, you enabler. <laughs> I enabled you to rewatch it by finding a questionable a link of questionable legality. Your partner. So I went thing. into I went into my rewatch and I was thinking. My this is my thought after watching the game. I thought, man, people are gonna say that this isn't Geno's fault because he completed eighty percent of his passes, but he sucked. And then after I watched the rewatch, I went, wow. Basically, everyone except for Geno and the wide receivers sucks. I didn't actually think Geno was that bad. He was. He's not good. He was didn't do any. He did nothing that excited me in this game. There was never like I was like oh. Ooh, that's a that's a great throw. None of that. But he he was efficient. He got rid of the ball quickly. He ran the offense, I think, that as they intended him to. I disagree. And the, rece- the receivers were good. Lockett, 9 for 11. Metcalf, 4 for 6. Uh, although for 35 <laughs> yards because they couldn't throw it on field. The interior offensive line in this game, <laughs> pass blocking, if I had to grade them on a scale of A to F, I would give them a G. Okay? It it is there is Gabe Jackson is flat on his ass for for so much. I I just that you know you know what grade they gave him for pa- for pass blocking in this game? A 13.6. No, uh, but how about out of true pass sets? Oh what? 0 Zero point zero. Wow. I didn't think I I went thirteen point six with Kevin because it's a great number, but also it's I didn't think I think Kevin thirteen point six is actual pack blocking. That's one of the notes that I take as we go in. But I didn't check the true pass blocking because I watched the game and I didn't need to. I knew it was horrendous. In in true out of true pass sets, these are sets where where uh you know we're set we're passing so out of true pass, true sets, pass no, sets, no if we would have lined up no Six, one where gabe jackson was it would have been about the same 16 <laughs> times they they drop back like that if we put uh, a tall road cone at gabe jackson five spot, pressures 
five pressures allowed on those 16 true pass sets. I just, I just, I think that Gino has the ability to lead like a, a team to a decent showing. Like he's not the worst. He's not good. I'm not trying to blow Gino up and say he's awesome, but I do. I understand why he's starting now. I get it. I, I, I get it. He's fine. But the, this team as constructed is never going to do anything unless we get some help in the interior offensive line, whether that's Damian Lewis learning how to not get injured so we can start Lewis and Haynes at the same time, although Haynes was not like exceptional in this game or anything. Though I feel like uh, one poor interior blocking set really throws the balance off of everything because then your center is constantly having to help to one side and you start getting more like isolated blocks or like free runners. It's uh, like the three on the interior really have to work together a lot. And those three guys were awful in the run game too. Just could not block. Just could. We cannot get anything going in the rush game. I mean, all of our rushers are getting, you know, Penny three yards after contact per attempt Walker four and a half yards per contact after attempt. These guys are, are making the most out of nothing because they get 10 attempts for 25 yards between the two of them, Walker and Penny. We just aren't running. And when we are running, we're not running well. I don't know. I'm just, no, I'm just fresh. It's burst. I'm just of frustrated. It's burst of yardage and not very much. We're, we wanted to be a run first team. And I mean, what are we max 12 attempts, 14 attempts on the year? What are we doing? We, uh, this game, this game we had, we had designed runs. Yeah. There was 12 yeah. of them. So cool. I guess I got, Oh no, Gino had two also. So 14. Those are both my designed issue runs. with, uh, my issue with Gino that I can't, step away from i agree that he's capable of running the offense i don't think he's running it fully as intended and i don't think so for a reason uh too many throws behind the sticks on third down um he takes a lot more he takes the most conservative approach to the passing options laid before him and i think that's why we saw things like using the wildcat or having DJ make the throw um, that ended up being an interception. I feel like the team doesn't have the confidence to trust Gino to take a risk. And Gino doesn't have the confidence in himself to I like make that risky throw. I don't think it's that way. Cause Pete said in the post game presser, like we need to let Gino actually cut it loose. And I think it's because they know their interior offensive line sucks. <laughs> And they just like are like, well, Gino's gonna just gonna take a sack, so why would we even do that? You know, they're like giving up the they're giving up on throwing it long before the play is even called. And it's like with the play call, they're saying, oh yeah, well, we won't get along because yeah, Gino's time to throw is only two point six six seconds. That's right. really good it, for him. He's getting it out quick. Like now, we what they need to do is they need to come out. They need to let Gino play a little bit in the shotgun. They need to like give him that time so he can make a deep throw. You know, like allow the play to develop, get creative in different ways. Um, that DJ Dallas play, I want to, we can address that specifically. I watched it like a hundred times because I just wanted to try to figure out what was going on. Okay. So let's talk about it. Football, throw the football. Okay. First we, we line up in a, uh, in a, in a like big house formation with four running backs in the backfield. Geno Smith at X receiver. Okay, and then and then a wide receiver on the top of the formation. Ken Walker takes the handoff and makes the correct read. Let's start with that. Okay, Ken Walker takes the handoff. His job is to read uh, left defensive engine to, to read Bosa basically. Bosa is all over this play. Okay, he he sees it coming. He re- he reads uh, and he knows he's got to hand it off or he's going to get destroyed by Bosa. Good call. Nice job, Ken. So Ken hands it to DJ. DJ runs. And he has open field in front of him because of the good read by Ken Walker. He could have just taken three yards, you know, three tough yards. And then now we have third and two on the inside, but he inexplicably throws it into triple coverage. Short. Um, Like not a good throw. No, not a good throw. Wobbly and short. Yeah. And into like three guys covering the one receiver. And he played, Uh, uh, he he played some quarterback in college, right? No. Some no, plays? Ho- Didn't he have some plays? No, I don't think Let's so. Go. I'm gonna look. I'm. I'll look. I'll look right now. <laughs> this is. I'm going off the. I'm going off the. Uh, the announcers and something I read because otherwise it it makes perfect sense if he didn't. Uh, let's see. Football, college, 
football reference. Okay, so anyway, uh, yeah, that play is just – the execution sucks. The, I mean, the execution is actually pretty solid until DJ decides to not just take the, the three yards in front of him. Like if he just takes that – DJ Dallas had two pass attempts in college. They both went incomplete. Boom. Perfect play call. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that DJ just keeps it and just kind of t- takes whatever the defense gave him there. It's fine, but he just threw it. I don't know. I don't understand. And that's why I guess you don't want the ball in your hands of a non-quarterback. They say right? completion percentage is a transferable skill when evaluating college. So I think Zero we're really, to, uh, still we're right, really seeing that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, <laughs> I feel vindicated on my Josh Allen. Uh, uh, Kevin, give me, give me, give me, a, give me any other uh, re- thoughts on the, uh, the old, the old offense here. Uh, D Eskridge is cooked, right? I don't know. We don't throw it to him. So he I got, yeah, he had, he had one target. He caught it. He got six yards. It was thrown to him two yards in the backfield. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, fan, it's inspiring had, play calling Kevin fan had two targets. His average depth of target was less than a yard. I, I don't know. Like I, they're trying to get the ball out really fast. Uh, Gino is a limited quarterback. I don't feel like the play calling in the scheme is bad. I feel like our the like you like Nathan said the interior offensive line is making it so that a lot of things think, don't really work. And I think it's taking it takes a lot of play calls off the table. It does, and I also like, think to, to, being limited takes play calls off the table. And when you do all to, of that, you're operating out of like twenty five percent of your playbook. Yeah, like because like you now we can't do anything where we're gonna start under center and throw deep because the inside of our line is gonna get crunched and Gino sucks. So we, or he doesn't suck, but he's not good enough to like overcome make a big that. make a make a great play and overcome it. He's he's just he's just Gino. He's just Gino. I like I said, I have no qualms with Gino Smith at this point. Like I am fine with him being the tank commander, the placeholder, and like and like letting him letting him just go the whole season, um, knowing that. There are times where I'm going to be like, wow, Gino, this is going great. And there are going to be times where because our interior offensive line needs uh, guys, needs bodies, needs experience, uh, needs bodies. I'm going to be very frustrated. I mean, this is what we thought was going to happen, though. I mean, I I know I'd let the Russell Wilson uh, comeback game (laughs) fool me. I, I, I hate the 49ers. I expected more from Gino. I really expected more from the offensive line. Um I don't know. I guess you can't really throw downfield if the receivers can't make it downfield in the amount of time you got to throw the ball. But uh, at least Gino can get it out of his hands. And yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm not mad at Gino per se. I'm just I'm frustrated at pretty much everything else. Yeah. All right. Um. Anyone? Any off? Any last offense thoughts before we go to the defense? Uh, at least our rookie tackles aren't the thing that's limiting us. Yeah, that no, makes me feel good. a little optimistic. So here's the thing. At the beginning of next year, no matter what, we start with three great pieces. Okay. Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas, and DK Metcalf. Those guys are going to be here next year. That is a great start to your to your offense. I'd argue Ken Walker minimum. looks like a capable Ken, starting running. Then I was gonna say, then I say, if Tyler doesn't age out, that's another piece. Ken Walker seems like he's he's gonna be a dude. That's another piece. Okay. We are we are already now building like a really competent offense. Question is, can we get some help on the interior of our offensive line? Probably a center would be the best because the center can instantly make both guards better too. Uh, that is, uh, lots of teams have shown that that a, a good center can kind of uplift a couple of um, av- league average guards. Which Blythe and, so far is like C pass block, D run block. If we can get now, a guy uh, who's like B B, that would make a difference. Uh, all right, so for you know, as much as I say, like I have optimism about the offense. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, the defense, Kevin, hit me with your with your defensive thoughts. They were on the field for a staggering seventy six plays. Yeah, that's a lot. Hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Tell me, tell me what you thought about what. You, what did you notice about on defense? So. Through two games, um, one thing that I like is that I feel like our two or three down linemen, depending on how we play it, uh, are doing a really capable job uh, with their job in the run. Uh, Whether it's uh, Monet and Woods or uh, Puna and, uh, you know, whatever combination 
that we're putting out there, they're doing a really good job of uh, stagnating the push of the interior offensive line of the other team. That part is working correctly. It's the Mm. rest of the play against the run game that is not working correctly. Uh, Jordan Brooks can tackle. Jamal Adams could tackle RIP. Uh, Uchenna Nwosu can functionally do what you want him to do as a pass rush first edge. He's capable of making tackles from either the front side or the back side of the run play. That is the end of the list of people that I trust against the run. Uh, Cody Barton, you never know where he's going to pop up. If he guesses correctly, he can make a tackle in the backfield. If he guesses incorrectly, he will Brian Russell himself out of the play so fast you wouldn't believe it. And if he's Uh, late, he's not going to make that tackle because he's out of position. He's got to be in perfect position to make those tackles against good players. Yeah, and it's the same thing with uh, Jones and Johnson and Woolen. Uh, We have a lot of guys, uh, Jackson, they are not getting to the right spot. It, it looks like a defense that just hasn't really gelled people who don't know where they're supposed to be. It's the same thing that I'm seeing in zone coverage. We had the busted uh, coverage on the Ross Dwelly, whatever a Ross Dwelly is, it scored a touchdown and it looks like Brooks was the person that was supposed to carry him kind of towards the sideline. But then if you look, Mike Jackson was over there. You had uh, digs to that side. And it's really hard to tell exactly what the responsibility was. What was very clear was none of them knew at the exact point they were handing the player off to the next zone. And I felt like there were a lot of those types of mistakes. Our defense just doesn't look ready to play. The thing, the thing for me is that, uh, one, we're tackling really poorly. We can start with that. Um, there are guys that like we have dead to rights in the backfield, three guys on the correct side of the play. And somehow Debo Samuel makes his way through all of them. Nine players yards. with missed tackles, um, four players with more than one missed tackle. Yeah. Uh, and I would say like very few guys played, uh, stood out to me as playing like really good in this game. If uh, there was one person who I felt like was like putting together a, a all around good performance, um, it's probably it's probably well the interior defensive line guys, uh, Monet, Al Woods, uh, Puna Ford. I thought were all fine. Yep, they all did a job. Puna Ford had to play sixty three snaps in this game because Shelby Harris got hurt. Yeah, that's um, so. Yeah, that's never that's never going to go well. He's going to wear out. Like you cannot play a guy that big for sixty three snaps in a game. It's stupid. Um, but uh, I thought Mafe Mafe seems like a developing player that I'm I'm pretty excited about. Uh, he does his job. And he's good in the run game, like surprisingly good. Like I didn't know that that was something that's in his skill set, but it's noticeable when he's out there how much better he is than our other edge players. He in can the run hold game. an edge, yeah. Um, whereas like Nuosu's fine, but not great, and T- Taylor is actively bad in the run game. Uh, Mafe is is like he's really doing his job. He gets he gets what he's supposed to do. He gets where he's supposed to be. And I don't know if that's like a like a systems thing. He's been in this system, a similar system. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. I don't know if that's the thing that's making him better or if it's just that he's, you know, more stout or better at reading in the run game. But yeah, like there's a, there was a play where we had them backed up towards the beginning of the game or, and, uh, and the interior guys just crunched it. Like they, they crunched the play. They pushed the, the offensive talk about lineman the back. Debo Samuel run Jeff, where... No, Jeff, no, Jeff Wilson runs basically mm-hmm. into the back of two of his offensive linemen. And then Taylor has contain on the, on the other side. And, and he just runs, Jeff Wilson just runs right past him and gets 10 yards. And like, nobody touches him for the whole, the whole 10 yards after he basically is, he's dead to rights in the backfield, but we just can't clean it up because the edge guys aren't doing a very good job. And then the interior guys are getting washed a little bit too. Brooke, it's not like Brooks is out there like killing it or anything. I don't want to leave let him off the hook. Like Brooks is also struggling uh, some in these run plays. And I, I, like I said, I don't know if it's scheme because we saw Brooks last year play very good in the run game. And he had right? five run stops in this game, but and right. only one missed tackle. But I think we're leaning on him to be kind of the guy right now, and that's a big ask. It's huh. just. It's it's interesting because we came, we came out and we thought okay the Seahawks are going to play a three four, and they're not really playing a three four. They're playing like a three three. They're often they're often playing with like five guys on the line of scrimmage, but then uh, 
it's three. It's like two, it's like a def, two defensive ends, a defensive tackle, and then like two outside linebackers. Like it's really we, the what they're doing is very strange. And I don't know if it's like we're not fully committed or it just feels the box feels very light all the time when you watch. Do you agree with that, Kevin? Yeah, it's that like the a, box always looks light for some reason. It's like a three three five, but like a modified bear front. So, like yeah. you said, we have these. We have three down linemen. We have two edge players, like rush linebackers, that are stand up two point stance, but they're like basically playing wide nine on both sides. I uh, mm-hmm. and so you have one linebacker in the middle. Or two linebackers in the middle, but they're spaced out quite a bit. I I feel like it wouldn't seem quite as light of a box if either one of those rush edges played like a little bit further back so they could get more read on the run. Or you need both linebackers to be really dynamic at the read and react downhill run responsibilities. And Brooks is pretty good. Barton can't. And I think that that's also part of what's getting exposed. Or, or hear me out. What if we actually just played Brian Monet on the nose and like let them fill in the spaces that way? Like I did. I'm just that may be the only way because if you look at teams that play a three four, occasionally getting pressure with three, meaning not counting on it, but occasionally getting pressure with three. That's a thing that always happens, and this team cannot get pressure with. And Woods can play the nose too, so we do have two big body guys that can play in that. Like put Monet in there for the first two downs, and then shift Woods over there for pass rush downs. It's but they're just not playing with. They don't hardly ever play with the guy in the nose. I think Monet had like six snaps on the nose. I was trying to count out of out of uh, thirty three. Like they're not playing with a nose tackle. It's just not part. It's just not part of what we're doing, which makes me think that Pete's not committed to this defensive change. That by the end of the season, we're going to be back to playing traditional four three. Uh, I think we had a nose on like twelve of seventy six snaps, Kevin. That's just not. It's just not. We're not doing it. Like it. And part of it too is that we don't have any legitimate field tilters, right? Who on this defense tilts the def- field? Who on this defense is going to make a big difference that forces the offense to change what they're doing? It's no one. That is part of the problem, right? Like we can't we can't rely on DT to to get you know two sacks or five pressures. We can't rely on we can't rely on Nwosu to be like everything. He's he's doing okay. Nwosu is probably our our highest performing player so far. And if he ends the season with, you know, a hundred pressures or whatever, I mean, we'll all be happy if he gets five a game every week, he's going to have 85 pressures by the end of the season. But it's, it just feels like, it feels like he's getting those not because just not because like, uh, if the offense starts paying him any special mind, those will go away immediately. That's maybe what I'm trying to say. I'll also say that like, so again, this is not a traditional three, four. It's kind of that Fangio flex three, four, which does not always use a straight up nose tackle. Like Minnesota's running a similar scheme. Dallin Tomlinson has like two snaps at nose tackle this season. Yeah. Um, I just, I think it might help our problems with the run game specifically. I agree. I'm just saying, I don't think it's not necessarily uh, Pete not committing to the bit. This might be a young defensive staff that's feeling out how to properly run their system because they haven't been in charge of it as much before. Okay. Yeah, I don't, but I agree. Something's up. It's, it's definitely not playing to the strengths of the three, four against the run um, to the point where they're exposed and other teams definitely know it. And they're definitely taking advantage. Um, yeah. I just, do you, do you see that the de- the defense at any point this year being able to, to be anything above like bare bones average. Like is that even, is that even a possibility for this defensive personnel? Eric, what do you think? No, I mean, you're going to have bright spots. Like even in this game, Tariq Woolen um, had his bright spots, but I think you're looking at, I think you're looking at a below average defense for most of the season. There's going to be maybe five games where you're like, wow, this defense really turned on. This is something that, they can build on, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Can I rant for a second? You saying Trequel and made me think of it. Um, Okay. I'm so sick and tired 
all already this season of the the plays where you have your receiver run a go route, then you underthrow him by I don't know ten yards, and have him jump back through the cornerback to try to I'm going to put this in air quotes catch it, uh, and then get a penalty called. It's not football. It's ridiculously stupid. I was about to say, um, uh, uh, it, Swedish, it punishes, player, Swedish soccer players must love this play. It punishes good good coverage. Because if you are in a guy's hip pocket down the field, if he just, just randomly turns around and jumps into you, going for the ball, I'm going to put that in quotes, going for the ball, now you get a 40-yard penalty. It is so dumb. Um, I think they need to get. They need to change. Bring back a uncatchable or whatever. They need to change the rule somehow, because it is just. It's so stupid. I, what was I, the Sounders player? Yunberg. Freddie Yunberg would have loved that Arsenal, play. Arsenal legend. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm. I'm just. Uh, just. I'm just pissed. That pisses me off. Yeah, Jeez, that's, I'm that's gaming cheese. the system. Like like programmers in Madden are feel so vindicated to see that. Uh, system exposing glitches work in real football too. Yeah, well, <laughs> great. By the way, the Ross Dwelly touchdown that was Cody Barton. Um, I looked it up for okay. you. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, any any final thoughts on the defense? Is that Kevin? Do you see a path for improvement within this season, or is this defense going to just be a, a year away? Kind of. Okay. Here's what the path for improvement looks like. It looks like Boye Bafe playing well enough to claim the starting job from Daryl Taylor, which would turn Daryl Taylor into a pass rush specialist. Okay. It looks like then having Mafe and Nuosu being solid enough on the outside to hold edge contain. And we need one of our safeties to basically step up. Whoever's playing box safety, if it's Josh Jones, if it's Ryan Neal, we need one of them to step up and basically be um, uh, Cody Barton's support. So if he makes a misread, then the stops are happening in the three to five yard region, not in the 12 to eight yard region. Uh, I think that's what has to happen on the run fits on the pass game. I mean, would anyone on this podcast be surprised if Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen, by the time the year is up, look like bang average NFL cornerbacks? I don't think that would be super surprising. To me, it would be surprising the way that that because I don't I think part of being a really a good NFL cornerback is having a pass rush good enough to make your job. You can right right now they have to cover for too they're gonna have to cover for too long because we can't generate any real pass rush like it's just going to be too hard for them. I think I think we see that dividends next year when you know we pick our pass rusher in the top 10 or whatever with uh, with Denver's pick. I think the I think the run yeah exactly I think the run plays um I think the run plays are what's uh actually a big problem with the pass rush because they're con- the offenses that we're facing are constantly able to get in third and manageable which mm-hmm. means that you can't fully commit to like the pen your ears back and rush the passer because they could throw a like if you send everybody flying in there they could throw um you know like a quick read to a tight end that was lined up um, with the rush end over the top of them. And so it's an easy three yard completion for a first down. They could do a quick screen pass to the outside. And then you have just the cornerback out there having to make the play. So because it's constantly third and manageable, that's a big part of why we, I don't think we're able to get like a lot of pressure. Like uh, you is our one consistent pressure getter. He had five pressures again, this game he had, right about five last game to a couple quarterback hits. But I think that I think being able to stop those easy yardage getters on first and second down are the trick for getting a pass rush when you need one. Okay. Uh, Let's uh, special teams. Uh, Well, I thought it was cool, but then we had that, that punt. <laughs> Holy uh, smokes! Tyler yeah, Lockett got back to back, back to punt. Yeah, but not like in a way that I think is a penalty. 
I thought it was a correct no call. I thought it was a correct I, no call, but Tyler basically just, just couldn't judge it and then got hit in the shoulder. That was just, just that a, was bad. Just just a bonehead play, like just just so stupid. I don't blame Tyler on that at all. Microcos- microcosm of the season so far for me, like just just a a idiotic thing that happened that made me just you know I uh, just I was just thinking like that is a disgusting act. <laughs> just like. I was just disgusted. I just can't take it anymore. I had to use the soundboard at least once. And I didn't want to use the one that you thought I was going to use, Kevin. <laughs> because I, I know I know which one you're thinking of. And now I, I feel like I should push it because I teased it. Should I push it? You're it's both. the worst one. It's the all right, let's just do it. This is the game. The game in a nutshell. It's music to I San Francisco 49er fans' ears. It was careless <laughs> just, and the offense was barely a whisper. I agree. Yeah, it it hurt it hurt me in my heart to uh to watch that game. So yeah, I I I went over to one of my coworkers who I know likes to rewatch the games, and I was he, he I was like, hey, I I already rewatched it. Don't. <laughs> Just like, I was like I was like, don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not it's not fun. You're not gonna learn anything. You're not gonna feel good about the direction of the team. I certainly didn't. I don't feel after the first game I felt so positive. Like, okay, you know what? We're rebuilding the culture. We got a lot of young players. But after this week, I just this is gonna sound so bad, but I just feel like we don't have enough talent. You know, there's just there's just not enough talent on this team right now. Or missing talent be... talent in those key spots. Like obviously quarterback's a key spot to be missing talent, but we're missing talent in enough key areas where we were good can't cover for it. Yeah, it's like like we got DK. DK is definitely talented, don't get me wrong. I'm like I'm a big DK guy, but just it's just it's not there right now. It's 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 I, we are building. It's not it's not a and we're going to try to win every game. So we're going to win a bunch of stupid games that we shouldn't win. I I, I need to like keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, in the, the back of my head. The Broncos game took us out of this, guys. We were like full, full, let's, let's drive the misery train. It's going to be okay. And now we're like true in misery because, yeah, we thought we'd be better. And frankly, I part mean, of it was that the young players didn't look good. And that's what we're clinging to. Yeah. And uh, yes, the, you guys both yes. picked the 49ers too. I did. Yeah, somebody. I didn't. thought the 49ers I thought the Forty ers would didn't would uh, would would beat us. I did not think we would win this game, so I don't know why I'm so disappointed that we didn't win. Because I think it it's because the so bad. the offense scored zero points. We got a defensive touchdown, which is like the kind of thing we would have needed yes. to keep the game Especially close. Well, so well, Kevin phases. Kevin said we didn't we didn't look good. So if DJ, I was thinking at halftime, I was like, wow, if DJ Dallas doesn't throw that interception, it's maybe something you know. We don't uh, 13 to three. I was or maybe, you know, 16, 16, 10, something like that. Like maybe we score on that drive. Uh, maybe we get something. It could be 16, 10. But then I was like, man, we still lose this game. <laughs> Even with the but that would the feel six. better. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it was tough. Like if DJ Dallas scores a touchdown. Yeah. And we lose 27, 14. I don't think we're sitting here right now in pure misery that that play, I think. It was a microcosm of what the season's going to be. It's sad. It was like a. It was like a taste. Just Awkward, like, half baked. Hey, <laughs> here is a. T- here's a taste of pure misery. I'm going to drop it right into your mouth. Speaking <laughs> of misery, can we? Uh, can we talk a little bit about this Falcons game? Because sure, that's people think that's it. All right, here we go. You want to you hear what I have to say about the Falcons? People think the Falcons suck. They don't. The Atlanta Falcons are all right. They won seven games last year with a quarterback in named Matt Ryan who I think we've seen by now is uh, terrible for the Colts. Marcus Mariota might be better than Matt Ryan right now. They lost by one point to the Saints, who are probably going to be a playoff team. They lost by four points to the Rams, who are probably going to be a playoff team. As long as Mariota is still their quarterback, this is a mad average football team. They're so average. They're, I'm not trying to no, I'm not trying to compliment them, but they're 17th in DVOA. They're right in the middle. They're like, average, just, but they're doing something that the Seahawks are jealous of, and that's trying to average. play 2020, 20, 2022 Seahawks football. They're running the ball fourth most in the league against mm-hmm. the Seahawks, who run at the least amount. <laughs> uh, they are, you know, they've got rushing touchdowns. They've got a 
They're what I think fourth in total yards. Got Russian touchdowns. What Russian touchdowns? Uh, they're they're harder to come by because you know you can't trust them, Kevin. So yeah, it's uh, plus Mariota can actually can actually. Like you Thank said, you for raising my dumb joke with a dumber joke. I appreciate yes. that. It made me feel. It's, way what, it's my I, job, Kevin. <laughs> I really, I really like Mariota. Like I'm, I don't know if I'm like being a truther. Uh, dude, by both doing of this, his but, healthy games are competent. But like, yeah, he if if he stays healthy, he, they're they're gonna be this team will be competitive in a lot of games they're this year. The healthy. problem is. He's yeah, he's gonna get hurt. Like they, they're we're already on borrowed time when it comes to Marcus Mariota. That's the problem. Is that by week five, their quarterback will be Desmond Ritter. Okay. So yeah, it's it's just it's absolutely brutal for the for the Falcons. And I, I feel bad for them because like like I said, they've been competitive these first two weeks. They almost, you know, they they really pushed and almost came back against the Rams. So that was which was pretty exciting. And then in the first game, they really blew it against the Saints, yeah. <laughs> which so. maybe they win that game in week six or week four. Um, not good news for us this week, though. Yeah, I, I, I think the Falcons are, are solid. It means that we're going to have to actually play good to beat them. Yeah, and, there's going to uh, be a lot of underneath throws from Mariota and Cordero Patterson is a really bad matchup for us. Yes, Cordero Patterson is a really bad matchup for us. I'm going to pick the Falcons to win. Uh, 26 to 20. What do you think, Kevin? Um, oh man, after last week, it's so Atlanta has no real pass rush, which does make me feel like our offense will be able to do a thing. They do have like the best cornerback in the league though, but we also don't have to throw at just that cornerback. And also Gino only throws to running backs anyway. We can avoid AJ Terrell, <laughs> AJ Terrell at all costs. Throw, do not throw towards him. Also, do not quite even frankly, look at him. DK can make a play on anybody, so I could still see DK having a decent day against him. That's fair. So their front, their front seven is like Grady Jarrett's corpse, and then like some other guys I don't care about. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's tough sledding out there. Like they're not terrible, but they're not good. Bunch of tenacious um, old why, men. Okay, I have a question. What is Jake Matthews doing? Like being old dude you're like 30 years old and like you're pretty good still mm-hmm. well, can we demand a trade already like get out of there <laughs> go to a team Maybe that's, that's playing school he doesn't want to move all right i was say go to a team that's playing winning football like this is it's kind of kind of crazy to me that he's just sitting there there are lots of teams that need a left tackle right now and he is one he's a real left tackle so i think yeah he should have followed his buddy matt ryan over to uh indy but i agree I think that we're going to be able to put up a similar offensive football performance to what we did in Denver or against Denver, which is to say, like, not great, but competent. I just think Atlanta is going to be able to run on us. So a very similar measure. I have 27-17 Atlanta. Uh, we're all in the same boat here. I have 24-18 because I think there will be some fireworks and then Atlanta just locks it up with how we think we can lock up games and that's just running the ball down our throat kyle also kyle pitts is gonna have a big play in this game they he why, has not why had is a, that because he's he's, he's having been a bad em- year he's been empty the whole season but he's due and we are so we always get lit <laughs> we get lit up by tight ends in the i'm best laughing because you're yeah you're you're 100 right all right so let's so, do let's do this if the seahawks are going to win we all picked against uh, them if the seahawks are going to win Mariota turnovers because he does turn the ball over a little bit. So like two Mariota turnovers, both of them lead to points, and then we we squeak it out like twenty four twenty something like that. The offensive I, I, I don't line think... plays like it does uh, against the Broncos, giving Geno but time to throw. I just think Grady Jarrett's going to be crunching Gabe Jackson the whole game, just like unless him Lewis on and Haynes can butt. both play. But even then, they're still going to start Jackson. They've already started. They already started him over over Lewis. Or over Haynes last week. They brought Until Lewis and Le- Haynes both came in. So, I mean, yeah, because Lewis got hurt because he's Mister Glass. He has a thigh injury. <laughs> he has a thigh thing. A thigh thing. Whatever that means. Anyway, uh, yeah, Kevin, what do you think? Do do we just win with uh with a couple of turnovers and then we play it safe? Yeah, I think it would be something along the lines of uh maybe Barton comes in like a missile and lays a hit on Mariota that makes him a little more hesitant to run. And when you remove the quarterback run game from the situation, maybe you get Cordero Patterson coughs up a fumble um, on a run play where he gets chased down from behind by Diggs, and 
that has to be really? converted into points and we end up bleeding the ball away with the run game when we finally are able to actually get the run game going against real a pretty talk weak front Kevin seven. let Geno Smith okay let him Smith let Geno Smith we need swords okay let him let him play let him play Pete okay hey, I want to see what Geno's he got was, he was he vowed to open up the playbook for Geno and Russ just went <laughs> all right there are many ways to support the seahawks nest podcast that's a professional transition there guys the best way to do so head over to patreon.com slash seahawks nest for as little as a dollar 24 a month join us in the discord for the group therapy uh tell, you know tell us your movie club picks tell us your thoughts uh thanks to those who support the show emmanuel andy brett cooper do it all for the tucci evan Floctimus, gavin greta james joe lucas rad dad nikki c ryan timothy tom astro blake bob casey david Foles, jay Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and our newest Patreon, Morgan. Thank you guys all for supporting the show. It has been a blast. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's fun in the Discord, even when we're bad. It's so funny, at least. Before your games. pro transition you're about to do, uh, I would like to now officially thank the people who hate listen the movie club, because I hear you out there. And we definitely put it here for a reason, so that you don't have to listen. So I greatly appreciate that you that... do listen to it. So that you can then complain about it. You're hitting this year. I'm all about fuel my books. existence. Who so complained? We'll who complained about it? I, I, I'm not going to name names, but you I was going to say, you, I know, you know who you I are. Know there's a, I know there's one person who always skips it. And you know what? Respect. You understand why I put it at the yeah, end. You, you, well, you're not you know. right now, but. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do this. You ready? Oh, this ready. is your uh, mystery you, club. You, so here's the thing. Um, the Seahawks season so far is giving you depression. Oh God. Uh, I think the intro made that very clear and it's going to be hard to, to keep our heads up. So we need to make, start compiling a list. We're going to probably do mo- this. Maybe we might do something. We might do more than one uh, thing with this list of movies or these, these kinds of movies, but today we're going to do a fave five and it's fave five movies that just make you feel good, man. They, we need movies that just make you feel good. Cause so after the game, good. You know, and I'm not going to say we're not going to pick Paddington 2, I don't think, Uh, (laughs) but (laughs) I hope no one picks Paddington 2 because I think that's kind of an overrated feel good movie. But that's the vibe you need in a situation like this, right? You need that vibe. You need that feel good movie that just makes that warms your heart, that makes you feel so good inside. So I'm going to start us off. Okay. I'm going to go a little off grid because that's what I like to do with my, my personal picks, right? But this is a feel-good movie. It makes me laugh. It's so funny. It's so stupid. It's slapstick dummy comedy. It makes me so happy. I'm going to pick an all-time Nathan classic. Eric, do you know what it is? Did you figure it out? Oh, is it going to be the other guys? You're so close. Oh. You're you're in the right neighborhood. It's Spy. Oh, that's right. Go. That's I think that's like the <laughs> other Nathan movie. Yeah, this is this is an all-time Nathan stupid classic. Um it is so funny to me um it, uh, her alter egos so, oh my gosh every yeah why are my alter egos so sad it's, it's, it's just it this movie has like the perfect level of like it's just dummy comedy that i love um it's it's slapstick it's really it's just um it's the melissa mccarthy shtick kind of dialed up to 11 jason statham is so funny in this movie Jude Law is is making a nice turn. I mean, just everyone rules in this movie. It's really funny. And Allison Janney, um, just bless her. She's the goat. I, I you put her in anything at this point. I will watch it. Uh, yeah. So my in the feel good five for me is Spy. I love it. Go watch it. It's so funny. Um, all right. Which one of you guys are ready? I'm ready. Go for it. Hit me. Hit me, Eric. Uh, I'm gonna go a little off because if I asked you guys to guess, you'd guess. But I'm gonna pivot. And do another kind of alt Eric choice. And uh, it's a movie that always makes me smile. I laugh still whenever I watch it, which is usually once every couple of years. And that's The Naked Gun. Ah, nice. Such a such a 90s film. Uh, it tells you how old I am. <clears throat> Something about it. Uh, you know, <laughs> CNOJ Simpson. Wow, what okay, a Simpson, character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. No, beyond that, though, it's, uh, I don't know, it's so stupid. It's funny. There's baseball in it. Um, it kind of refreshed my memory with the queen passing recently. And I was, I saw Reggie Jackson's tweet and I was like, Oh man, yeah, that, that movie's movie always makes me smile. Um, so many stupid bits, so many little things I still pick up on years later. 
Um, there's so many there's so many like really stupid funny lines in this movie like yeah <laughs> just like just think the next time i shoot someone i could be arrested that's i picked up on that two years ago for the first time when i watched it next time i shoot someone i could be arrested it was so good so topical what 30 years later it's amazing it's just uh, there's there's so many lines to me that you, you think are throwaway lines but then like it's just so funny. Yeah, this movie rules. I, I love this movie. Great choice. It makes me feel good. So funny. Uh, yeah. Goodyear? <laughs> no, the worst. No, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is like, okay, so like, there. this is a genre of movie, too, that like kind of doesn't exist anymore. I would say what the closest thing we've gotten to this since is like, what, Austin Powers? Where it's just like, truly like, stupid like stupid over the top puns. zany zany lots of puns uh double meat like just yeah like so much of that stuff that's that's kind of what i like about it too okay i love it nice choice kevin i am i'm having i'm getting pulled in a lot of different directions uh so i, I know a movie i think you should pick based on my knowledge of your loving what movies you like so but feel good movies kind of fall in a couple of different categories for me because comedies are always nice. I love a good comedy. Uh, it's a good way of, you know, you laugh, you feel better, but there's another type of movie that always makes me feel good because it just kind of forces me to fall into the movie and enjoy the ride. And there's a movie that I have watched when I've been kind of stressed out because it's unconventionally funny at times. It has a little world building in it that I greatly appreciate. It has great action sequences that absolutely pull me into the movie. And uh, that is 2012's Dread. Oh, oh, wow. I thought I literally thought you were going to say Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Uh, and I yeah. was like... I was like, oh, that's a great choice. I thought Kevin no, I'm going a completely Fred. different direction. Maybe it's one of those uh, life can't Dread be too not... bad because I'm not in this situation. Type yeah, I was going to say, Dread's pretty, Dread's pretty grim. So this, so yeah, it is grim, it's... but like Kevin said, if you pull yourself into the movie, that's awesome. I would never, I would never pay for this list, but I like yeah. it. I, I, I love it. I, I, love I, it, I figured Kevin. I would throw, I see, Eric's like curveball, slapstick. I'm like curveball, no, extremely you dark action no. movie. <laughs> You th- you threw it at the head of Mike Trout right there. You just throw it. You were headhunting. I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I can support this. Maybe but maybe, gonna, the, maybe this is where I have to uh, accept it. This is where I do my heel turn. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, it's 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 definitely a dark movie, but it it makes me forget about anything that's bothering me because you end up just like engrossed in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally same thing. Requiem for a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on! <laughs> I mean, it's just like I'm like at least I don't at least I don't have to do a double dildo Eric, with my friends. Eric's like when I feel really bad, I watch Old Boy because it could always be worse. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is the I road we're walking right in that now. room. I cut I cut my own tongue off. But it's not that bad. Okay. Um. Okay. So contenders for the last spot. Uh, for the last two spots, I mean, for Fave Five. Here we go. I think we should put a Ghibli movie in. Yeah, I'm Ghibli there. movies have have feel good qualities to the max. Eric, do you have an opinion about which Ghibli movie we should put in, in one of the spots? Uh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is. I don't know. Like, there's that's like we could do a top five, and it would be so hard to pick our five. Spirited Away. Um, for me, like the one I personally watch the most is Ponyo, uh, and it is definitely like a very like feel good, like cheesy, like. I like that movie a lot. Happy, uh, happy movie, and you know you got the, Tina Fey in it. But I, I don't know. I, I, don't I think know, to, Totoro. Totoro. Whisper of the Heart. To, Totoro is. I have a, not. Whisper of the Heart is very is very feel good. Uh, Totoro is very whimsical. Um, we could go with Kevin, the previous theme for, with Grave for, of the Fireflies. Feel, <laughs> I was gonna say for feel good. Have you seen The Wind Rises? <laughs> I just figured I would go ahead and throw that out there. I complete. The I joke. think we should go Totoro. Totoro is like the classic pick. I think it's like the correct pick. Um, I don't. It's not my personal favorite, but I think like Flora I would be willing was... to go with Ponyo. I, I, if you want to go with Ponyo, I go with Ponyo. You guys neither one of you going Spirited Away on me, huh? Lame. I 
not for I this. Think, Same with Mononoke. Just, Great movie, but not for this. Uh, I think it's like uh, it's not feel good. It's more like magical. I don't know. I think it, that's why I like it. It takes me to a fantasy like, world, and at the end, mm, I'm satisfied. Good point. What about Kiki's Delivery Service? That hey, that's you guys know twist. that's like my that's like my favorite movie. Let's do Kiki's. Let's, let's do Kiki's. Really? Kiki's is great. All right. Well, I didn't think movie. I had a chance. No, no, no. Kiki's is awesome, and it's it definitely fits the like feel good vibe. Back door, you know what game. I mean? Like it's it's got the it's got the um I don't know, man. Like just like, her relationship with other characters too is like so heartwarming. I I love it. All right, can I make a pitch for the last one? If if it's if it's the Princess Bride only, uh, I mean that's definitely <laughs> okay. Fine, I can never see that movie. <laughs> That's why I thought you were going to pick for your pick. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I was I like, like kind of kind of went in a different direction. <laughs> I was like, the Princess Bride is like, it's like perfect. Uh, other movies I thought about were Spider-Verse, uh, La La Land, I think is like a really like great. Hey, okay, so uh, I love Spider-Verse. I was going to say Taika Waititi movies in general. Yeah, I, I know how fun. much you love La La Land, Nathan. And I meant to tell you, I watched that a few weeks ago. What would you think? I, I very much enjoyed it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Uh, Clinton wa- Clinton watched it too, and he sent me the same message. Like, you're right, this movie's great. I'm just like yeah, glad. Really good I feel, too. feel so vindicated. Like, I like. I, I really I wish like, I could have had a little different uh, singer than uh, Ryan Gosling, but fair, fair. I do not think the the singing is not the best part. But I'm like, happy to he sing Ryan Gosling really songs well, about the Seahawks that, all year long if you'd like. This movie is really pretty. It's so great to look at. It's so ce- it's so celebratory. Like it is the happiest. It's so happy and exuberant. And then I think like there's something really like sweet about the like slightly melancholy ending. Like I think that that like it's like very like real. You know, it's like grounded. It's like that's what life's like. Sometimes you cross, but sometimes you just cross paths with people. It's It's also not depressing because they both move forward with their life and it's complete. That being said, you brought up the Princess Bride, and I would definitely get on the table for that being our number five. Also, uh, I like that choice and way to underhand us reviewing La La Land for the. For so, the so our so our fave five is La La Land, Princess Bride. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm just cutting dread. I'm just cutting dread. Out. Kiki's delivery good, service, dread. Kiki's delivery service, and the Princess Bride. <laughs> and La La Land, One and then not dread. Dread is in the feel good five, but it's uh, I don't know how you. It's, it's a six. It's a six now. I so tell you what, guys, when movies. dread throws up. Mama off hey, the elevator can, shaft, and he's so pleased with himself. Can I'm I please too? Can I mention one more feel good movie that I think like I have to get in here just because uh, it makes me feel so good? Event Horizon, to... School oh. of Rock. School of Rock is such a like dope feel good movie. Uh, Jack Black as the uh, the teacher. I don't know that movie is like the has the feel goodiest feel good. I feel like that's everyone's movie. like. If you Google feel good movies, that's like one of the images that shows up right away. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty awesome. And it's also, it's link later. So it's like really well-made for a stupid, like feel good family movie. Is it weird to say like, hot fuzz too? No, no hot fuzz. That's hot great. fuzz is actually a movie I really thought about. Yeah. Um, hot fuzz, I think would be an awesome. Yeah, totally. Cause it's funny. All right, fine. Like, just, also... just, just to make all of you happier, I will move no, right no. to hot fuzz. <laughs> no, it's no, it's requiem for a dream. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, for uh, jokes aside, we'll just keep dread. Uh, but you know, you this is what I really want to happen. This is why whole reason I did this. Go in the Discord, post your favorite feel good movies in the movie, and explain channel. why it's train spotting. So, so, yeah, and if it's and if it's something like train spotting, then you really got to explain it, like Kevin did, because we're all going to question it. For Kevin, for Eric, we will see you next week. Go Hawks.